0: what's up guys welcome to another episode of the best life podcast and this is Jill I'm here actually doing a solo dolo episode for you guys tonight I want to get into something a little bit juicy I'm gonna be doing another episode and then in the coming weeks all about exercise the uh, response that we got to our exercise obsession episode uh, about a month ago was overwhelming I think a lot of you guys have been in that space Danny and I went through kind of our personal stories of over exercising and I'm going to be doing kind of what I would consider to to be maybe an exercise 101, especially for most effective exercise, but not today. I'm not really feeling it. So I wanted to come on and talk about something that has actually come up a little bit with you guys who are currently going through the Happiness Diet. So the Happiness Diet is uh, the program that Danny J and I launched a couple of months ago. Brand new program, and it is all about mindset and personal development. A lot of the things that we talk about on this podcast, the very, very juiciest stuff. And the part that I created in the Happiness Diet, it has to do with something called radical responsibility. And a lot of times in that course, or a lot of t- within the course, there's a lot of mentions of self trust. There's a lot of mentions of uh, courageous conversations, crucial conversations, people in your life, how to connect with those people in your life that maybe you're struggling a little bit with, whether it's a a uh, romantic partner, a friend, a family member, because you know, I mean, one of the, the uh, one of the craziest things, or one of the things that we talk about when personal development is on board, is without other people in our life, we wouldn't have a lot of these stressors. And while, um, you know, obviously it's great and we love having the people who we have in our life, our closest friends, family members, you know, spouse, boyfriend, girlfriend, et cetera, they also are going to be our biggest trigger. So one of the things that Byron Katie says, and I love, is she said, the person you're living with is your greatest teacher. And, you know, obviously that was definitely the case for Danny and I when it comes to our ex-husband's infidelity and kind of the reason why we came to this place. But as you guys are going through the happy, a happiness diet and these things are coming up for you, you're responding to the emails and you're saying, but how? But how do you do this? But how do you have these conversations? But how do you get over it? And so I want to take today to talk about a big concept that feels very intangible, and that is self- Trust. Danny and I talk about it quite a bit. I want to break it down, what exactly it is. And then I'm going to break down for you guys a number of ways that you can start to build it. And I really want to harp on the fact that this is probably the most important thing that we talk about at the best life in terms of the tools and strategies that you can do to live a full life, to live a life of ease, to not feel so perturbed all the time by what's going on around you, maintaining your inner peace, etc. And so this actually the reason why I talk about this is obviously because of the happiness diet, but someone actually asked me this on a podcast recently and asked me about my marriage going sideways. And they said, What if anything, in those moments of discomfort, in those moments of uncertainty, when you're going through something really hard in a relationship, what is if is there something that you hold on to? And so my answer that just immediately came to me was a level of self trust, and we've talked about this in terms of trusting other people, trusting you know future partners after infidelity, trusting other women in scenarios where uh, men are cheating. How do you get over some of this stuff? And and ultimately, i have always come back to if I trust myself then it really doesn't matter so much what other people are doing. Yes, I don't want to be betrayed. Yes, I don't want to be hurt. Yes, I don't want to have the heartbreak. But if I trust myself to handle whatever it is that comes up, that's the ultimate like Mac Daddy tool, really. When it comes to like Mac Daddy, what's the the most important thing is building up a level of self-trust. And self-trust is really earned. You can't just be like, yeah, I trust myself. I think it really comes down to practicing in real time through action and accumulating a a show of evidence that you can trust yourself in struggle in in times that you've struggled or in tough times. And so to me, just to kind of give you a little bit of context, when I talk about trust, I talk about control. And we've talked about food obsession, exercise obsession. These are very simple, low-hanging fruits, low-hanging ways that we try to control things. So if you've ever done obsessive dieting or obsessive exercise, I know for me, it was very linear. It was I can control the food that I put in my body. And if I can control the food that I put in my body, I can control how my body looks. And if I can control how my body looks, I can control how I'm seen in the world, the level of affirmation that I get, the level of approval that I get, the, the good enoughness that I'm seeking, that external validation. Same thing with exercise. If I just do enough exercise, if I do the right type of exercise, then I have control over how my body looks. And if I have control over how my body looks, and of course, then, you know. You know, people will love me, affirm me, whatever that is. And I, I kind of went down, especially when I was competitor and Danny too, both of us got a lot of praise for our physique. We got a, pl- a lot of praise for our athletic ability. We got a lot of praise for certain things. And if you look at your own life, look at the areas in which you've gotten the most praise historically. And that's probably where you've doubled down because that's where you find your sense of self-worth. And we get in trouble when we're constantly chasing external motivation or external validation rather. And so the problem here becomes control, not only is control kind of an illusion, but it's very fragile. And what I mean by that is let's just say I control the way my body looks through food and exercise. And all of a sudden I get an injury, something that I couldn't control, but I get an injury. And now all of a sudden I can't necessarily control everything because I can't exercise the way that I want to, right? Maybe I start to feel um, a little bit depressed, maybe discouraged. Maybe I start eating junk food, right? And then all of a sudden the locus of control I had around my body is no longer available. The exact same Thing happened in my marriage. Having a great relationship up until a point, having, a, you know, marrying the man of my dreams, building a life together, building a business together. And the thing that I couldn't control was his behavior. As much as I tried, and many of us are in relationships where you know we try to do the thing, be the right you know wife, be the right uh, person, be the right spouse, be the right uh, girlfriend, whatever that looks like, to avoid and preempt any some uh, prevent any some, anything bad happening. And so, control really to me is very fragile because we don't have 100% control over those things. To me, my life turned upside down with my husband's affair. It always depends on people doing what you need them to do in order for you to stay safe and stay secure. And I don't know about you, but I don't like that. There's something about that. And as long as everything's going great, it's fine. Cool. This person is acting the way I need them to act. Cool. I feel in control. One of the things that um, my friend Jillian Tita, who we've also had on the podcast says, she says, it's easy to be all good when everything's all good. So here I am sitting in a marriage that I think is really good, a relationship I think is really good. I'm sitting there, you know, my business is taking off, uh, my body's, you know, looking pretty good and I'm like, oh yeah, I'll definitely, anything, you know, I can handle anything. Any sort of bad thing comes up, I can handle it. Like I'm strong, I'm independent, I'm all these kind of things, right? But what do you do? What do you actually do when shit hits the fan? And that is when trust comes in because you no longer have control. Someone else in your life did something else and it threw your life into chaos. Whether it's you're going through something in your relationship, you're going through something in your job, you're going through something with your kids. As much as we want them to do what we would do and what we need them to do to feel safe, oftentimes they do not. At least at some point they might not. So the key here is being 100% trusting of yourself to handle it if people in your life want to do something different. And this is very uncomfortable because there's a lot of uncertainty. There's a lot of discomfort. What do we do when other people in our life want to do something different or we want to do something different? It really does come down to – so I do see control and trust as opposites. I feel like control is like the 1.0 version. Let me just control this and do this and do this. You know, my parents, uh, especially my stepdad, I love him a lot, but he is um, – He's very much a prevention guy. He's very much like, let me do this and we'll prevent that. Let's do this and let's prevent that. It's He's constantly, he's very conscientious, by the way, very meticulous. He's always trying to prevent things from happening. This would be like if you started an online business And you were trying to prevent people from unfollowing you or unsubscribing from your email newsletter. Like there's only so far that you can get with your message if you're constantly stressed about things going wrong and trying to prevent those things from going wrong. And so to me, control is all about prevention, being in prevention mode, being in defense mode. What trust is, is going, you know what? I'm going to show up with all my likes, dislikes, preferences, wants, needs, desires, Things that might be shameful on display for the world to see, or for at least for my partner to see, or my friends or my family to see, and I'm going to let the chips fall. And it's not trusting that they can handle it. It's trusting that you can handle whatever response that is. So, we talk a lot about self trust when it comes to communication. An example would be having a difficult conversation with a loved one, maybe the thing that you don't want to say, the thing you don't want to bring up. And I've had to catch myself, especially in a new relationship, there are some things I don't want to bring up all the time. There's things that I'm like, ah, that's not that big of a deal. Maybe I'll just talk about it later. I'll sweep it under the rug. It's not that big of a deal. But in the end, I know that those are the conversations I need to have. And when I do that, I'm not trying to control the other person's response because, you know, chances are they're not going to have a good response. If I'm bringing something to their attention, they're probably not going to have a good response. That's not what I'm trying to control. I am trying to trust that I can handle whatever the fallout is as a result of having that conversation because self-trust is about being in integrity. Like I said, it's about showing up with your likes, dislikes, preferences, wants, needs, desires on display for the people in your life as a service, it would be a disservice for me to not show those things to my boyfriend, to my best friends, to my closest family members. It would be a disservice for me to hide those things. Here's why. Because I don't trust that they can handle it, or I don't trust myself if they have a bad response to it. And we're going to talk about a few things here in a second and why, when you have these very these shows of what I consider to be vulnerability or shows of exposing yourself fully, being exactly who you are in those relationships, why... Number one, it builds your self-trust to handle the outcome and the fallout if there is any, but it also is a discernment and filtering system for the people in your life. And so self-trust really is just going, I don't need to actually trust, quote, trust anyone in my life so long as I trust myself because I always trust. And this is what Byron Katie says. She says, I always trust people to do what they do. That's it. I trust people to do what they do, even if it wasn't what you signed up for, even if it was, you know, the person you married 10 years ago is making different decisions than you thought they were, uh, the, the, you know, you're, maybe you have a kid who's doing things that you didn't want them to do. Maybe you have a, a coworker or family member doing something that you're like, anytime you ask yourself, and this is the cue for me, anytime I find my, myself asking myself, like, why are they doing that? I would never do that when I say those words. Why are they doing that? I would never do that. That is a red flag to me to go, because that's what they do. Because they're not you, Jill. They wouldn't. They're not doing what you would do. They're doing what they do. And so Byron Case says, I always trust people to do what they do. And when I do that, I'm like, ah, even though it's different than what I want... It's not my business to manage how they are. And that's one of the hardest things, but I do trust myself to handle that. And so I want to go through and run through how you can start to build a sense of self-trust. And the whole point of self-trust, you guys, really is just a sense of peace. So I don't have to be as attached to what other people are doing because I feel safe and secure on my own. You know, yes, I don't want my spouse or my boyfriend to cheat on me. But I also like if that if that could potentially happen, I'd be devastated. I'd be heartbroken, but I know I'd get through it. And there's something really nice. And by the way, I could not have said that 10 years ago. I could not have said that with confidence 10 years ago. If someone had said, Hey, do you think, you know, if your spouse cheats, like that you could handle it? I'd be like, No fucking way. I'd be a mess. I would, I don't know what I would do. I couldn't even imagine a scenario in which my spouse would have cheated. I couldn't even have conjured it up. I would have been scared to. Now I'm like, It's a reality. And it doesn't, and by the way, that doesn't seem pessimistic to me. In fact, I feel more safe knowing and seeing all the angles and also trusting myself. And I'm, I'm more uh, encouraged to go all in on the relationship because I trust myself. And I don't need anyone to do anything else except what they're going to do. Okay. So I want to go through a couple of ways that you can start to build this. And the way that you build self-trust is this to me is a, it's a freedom technique. It really is. It's a liberation technique. It's an emotional freedom technique. So number one is there's, I, I wouldn't necessarily wish this on people, but sometimes I do. Like for example, a lot of my clients, they're going through something really hard and I find myself saying, I'm so sorry you're going through that. I'm so sorry you're having to deal with that. And then I catch myself and I'm like, but actually I do like it for you. And that's maybe not always met with the best response, right? Like, I mean, it's like, how dare you? But at the same time, I'm like, yes, I know that hard things, And you seeing yourself go through hard things and get through hard things and endure hard things, even though it's not what you want, it takes longer than you want it to, and you feel and you're sitting in a level of discomfort and and uncertainty that just feels so awful. You want to make a decision, but you can't yet because you don't know yet. When you're in that place, I get it. I I spent a year in discomfort and uncertainty. I totally understand it. But when you see yourself going through something hard and you see yourself putting one foot in front of the other, when you're doing your best, even in the most messy of situations, you don't do perfect, by the way, if you see yourself not thrive, but just survive, you've now accumulated... A show of evidence that you can do hard things. And that's important. And that goes back to what Jillian always says, which is it's easy to be all good when everything's all good, right? Ask someone who's been married for 30 years and um, they can tell you a million reasons, you know, uh, why their marriage has been successful. And I appreciate that. I want to know that, but I also want to know how they respond when they find out their husband's cheating. And I don't wish that on them, but it's a whole other ball game. When you've never experienced that, I think it's easy to have an intellectual understanding of something. It's a lot harder when the rubber meets the road and how you respond. I think it's easy to to be principled when everything's going great. It's easy to say, oh, if that ever happened to me, by the way, an example is if my husband ever cheated, I'd be out. I have listened to so many married women say that and I appreciate it and I believe them, but I said it too and I wasn't out. It took me a year to leave the marriage and I didn't want to leave. I didn't even want to leave after a year. And so I think it is easy to be principled when you haven't been hit with something hard. I think it's easy to think what you would do if this scenario happened. I think it's a different ballgame when it actually happens. And so the number one like, most important thing in order to gain self-trust is to actually go through hard things. So how can you go through something hard without it being as devastating as a spouse cheating or losing a job or losing a loved one? right? I don't I, I, I don't wish that on anyone. But I do believe that there is utility in manufacturing, a level of difficulty in your life and it doesn't have to be like just for the sake of being like doing hard shit. It is for the sake of vulnerability. And so my ex Jade he calls these fear PRs. I call them vulnerability PRs. Vulnerability PRs are doing small things that feel make you feel exposed and then dealing with the fallout. One example would be having a conversation. One one I give with my girls a lot, especially because I do online coaching for business, uh, fitness and health and pros in business, is sharing something vulnerable on the internet right? When you put it out on display publicly, something that maybe you'd been historically shamed about or embarrassed of. Um, I remember when I was blogging at Jill Fit all the time, I would just, I remember every single time I posted, I was like, oh my God, I cannot believe I'm sharing this with the world. Even this podcast, I cannot believe I'm sharing this with the world, right? Me talking about my affair, Danny talking about our affair, those were vulnerability PRs because now instead of it just happening behind closed doors, we're talking about it publicly. So. If you are an internet person or personality, there's an opportunity there to get good at sharing. And by the way, you don't have to share everything. There is a difference between vulnerability and transparency and privacy. But I do believe that there's a way for you to manufacture these small vulnerability PRs that make you feel empowered. Another way would be to go on vacation by yourself. If you have never been on a trip alone, if you've never even gone out to dinner by yourself, like I hadn't in my marriage, that will give you a sense of when I went to um, when I went to Italy for two weeks, right after I found out about my ex-husband's affair, I was terrified. I didn't even want to go. I was like, ah, why am I doing this? And I know it sounds like a dream. It sounds ridiculous. Like, oh, Jill, you're going to Italy for two weeks? Poor are you. But I didn't speak the language. I never traveled by myself. I never even stayed overnight by myself unless I was traveling for like a business conference or something. And so for me to go to another country by myself, navigate it. I remember just coming back. I I actually was talking to my dad um, after I got back into the States and I was in JFK. I just landed and we were talking about the trip. And I said, you know, the whole time I felt awkward as fuck. I felt terrified every single time it's like someone's going to come up and start speaking really fast uh, Italian to me and or I was something was going to happen but I felt so invigorated I felt so empowered I had never had that experience before and so that's what we're really talking about holy shit I just went and went on vacation by myself even if it's just overnight somewhere by yourself There's a level of empowerment and just pure invigoration that can come out of seeing yourself do something like that. And so these small vulnerability PRs give you now a show of evidence, actual actions, not theory anymore, actual actions that you can see yourself building self-awareness. You're watching yourself become a stronger, more empowered version of yourself. And so really building self-trust comes down to action, most importantly, not just what you think you do, but what you would actually do. There's a lot that comes from sitting in the discomfort. Me being in Italy, it was uncomfortable as fuck. It was awkward as fuck. I didn't know what I was doing. There's a lot of uncertainty that's happening. So if you're going through something really hard in your life right now, just know that the discomfort and the uncertainty that you are literally sitting in minute to minute has utility. You don't think it does right now, but it really, really does trust that you don't have to like quickly take some fast action just to put yourself back in your power. Like, yes, that feels good. But again, that's just trying to control a situation that's not controllable in the moment. And so when you feel that desire to like just make a decision, ask what your motives are. I could have easily left my marriage right after I found out about the affair, but that wasn't really what I wanted to do in that moment. So when I actually left a year later, it wasn't out of spite. It wasn't out of anger. It wasn't out of like a desire to punish him or to be chased. It was just genuinely the right action in the right moment. And it took me a year to get to that. So when you find yourself sitting in discomfort, uncertainty, and you're like, I just need to make a decision, blah, blah, blah. You'll know when you know. I told this to Danny. I said she was like, "I need to, I need to get divorced. We need to do this thing." I just said, "You know what? You don't have to make the decision right now. I know you're uncomfortable. I know that you're sitting in uncertainty, but you don't need to make it. And you'll know when you know." And she did. I knew when I knew when I went. And so trust that that moment is going to come. It's going to come a lot later than you want it to come, but there is utility in experiencing the discomfort and the uncertainty that you are right now. So number one is go through hard things. The second way that you can build self-trust is engage in hard conversations. This is very similar to number one because it is engaging in a, uh, by choice, right, like of your conscious uh, volition, engaging in hard conversations, saying the thing that you don't want to say, starting the conversation that you don't want to start, bringing up the thing that you don't want to bring up. This is important. And I know if you're sitting there going, every one of us has it. Think about it right now. There's something you don't want to say. There's something you don't want to deal with in your life. There's something, there's a conversation that you don't want to have with somebody. And it is crucial that you have it. Not because that the outcome is going to be pretty or the outcome is going to be perfect or the other person is going to be on board right away. None of that's going to happen, by the way. Engaging in a hard conversation, the reason why you're avoiding it is because you know that the outcome is going to be messy. You might have to start down a series of conversations that are going to be uncomfortable. You might have to deal with the other person's emotions, their negative emotions, their anger, their frustration, their, uh, their sadness, their disappointment in you you might have to deal with all of that, the the uncomfortableness of that. So this practice isn't for the outcome, by the way. It's for the eventual outcome. It's not for the immediate outcome. That's the reason why most of us don't engage in hard conversations is because we know that the immediate outcome is going to fucking suck. We know it's going to be shitty, so we don't engage in it. But here's the thing is now, we talked about this in the curated communication episode. Now you've opened up the floodgates. Now you're going to have to continue down that path. And that path is going to take you to an ultimate solution, an ultimate better place. And so it's almost, and most people who don't have hard conversations, by the way, they just sweep stuff under the rug. They push it down. They hold their tongue. They walk on eggshells. If you find yourself doing that, there's a conversation that you're not having because you're looking for immediate gratification of some sort. And you know, trying to keep the peace and not trying to ruffle feathers and holding your tongue and walking on eggshells—they're all fine. But realize that they're band-aid fixes, and it's fine. I remember doing that for uh, like about six months with Jade. Just hold my tongue, hold my tongue, hold my tongue. I remember I even would have like I had like a chronic cough going, even because I was just like for whatever reason, like that's where I was getting bottled up. I was walking on eggshells, and when we finally started having the really hard conversations that neither one of us wanted to have, it was messy as fuck. But We learned how to communicate, and now we have a deeper relationship as a result. It's not a romantic relationship anymore, by the way, so there's no guarantee it's going to look how you want it to look, but it's a much better relationship now than if I stayed in that place of misery. I just couldn't, right? And we all know this comes out as resentment. This comes out as physical illness when we stifle the things that we know need to be addressed. And by the way, you don't have to address every single little thing. I think especially like the new age space, the personal development space, it's like talk about everything. And like, I'm not a huge advocate of talking about everything. I don't think you have to be like this, this, and this. Like, I'm sorry, you know, your spouse leaves a glass on the counter one time. You don't need to take them over and be like, hey, just want you to know that like you leaving a glass on the counter is a really big deal to me. And like this, I can't have this. And like, please, this means that you don't respect me. Like just fucking clean the cup. It's fine. Right. But if it's over and over and over and over again, and you notice yourself growing in resentment, you notice yourself holding your tongue, you notice yourself walking on eggshells, you need to say that thing. And engaging in the hard conversation is important because your integrity depends on it. Your integrity depends on it. When you engage in hard conversations, it gives you, again, a show of evidence to see yourself almost like as a third person looking down on the conversation. You're watching yourself. Your brain is watching you engage in something really scary and really really vulnerable. And you're doing the thing that you know to do. And that is called congruence when you do the thing that you know to do intellectually i know i should have this conversation intellectually i know i don't want to walk on eggshells intellectually i understand that i don't that i that this causes resentment we know all of that stuff but there's magic and when you actually do the thing you get so proud of yourself you're like ah i knew i should have and then i did it and now it's congruent your integrity depends on it And we all know that feeling of, and this is definitely for me as well, going through what I went through my marriage, like I saw myself, I lost respect for myself, right? Your integrity is what gets you that level of respect for yourself. When I act in integrity, now I can respect myself. When I don't, when I hold my tongue, when I keep, you know, feeling as if I'm a doormat, that's when I lose my sense of integrity. And so your integrity depends on your congruence, you doing the thing that you know to do, this is extremely important. And this is scary. This is so scary. But as a result of it, again, that third person looking down on the conversation, your brain watching you going, okay, this bitch, she, she puts her money where, she, where her mouth is, right? That's valuable. That builds self-trust. So definitely engaging in uh, what my friend Elizabeth Yelto calls courageous conversations, scary conversations, crucial conversations, critical conversations, whatever you want to call them, That this is paramount. And it's not going to be fun it's, and it's going to be messy as hell. But the the sense of empowerment and fortitude that you earn as a result of having those conversations and deepening the relationship, by the way. I've had these conversations with every single person who's really important in my life. I've had it with my mom, my dad, Danny J, my brothers, uh, my ex-husband, my current boyfriend. Like I've had all of these conversations. And by the way, when, when you have these conversations, we, you can go back to the episode we talked about uh, curated uh, communication, but it's not that you don't, you're don't you not right, by the way. You're not necessarily right, by the way. You're just bringing the thing up to start the conversation to just see what might be on the menu for them. So a lot of times I'll say to Keith something like if I bring something up, I'll always kind of like contextualize it by saying, I'm not saying I'm right, by the way, actually. I'm actually just bringing this up because like, do you have any thoughts on this? That's normally what I say is like, hey, I'm just, do you have a preference? This is how I'm feeling. I'm not saying I'm right, by the way. I'm just saying this and I'm, I want to know what you think because we don't have to necessarily, like my truth doesn't have to be that truth. Like my, the way I feel isn't necessarily like the truth of it, of the matter. I want to know what he thinks as well. And those may or may not line up, but at least we're having the conversation. And so that really is a huge piece in building self-trust is seeing yourself do those things. Number three, uh, third way to build self-trust is to adopt a growth mindset. Uh, The book Mindset by Carol Dweck is a great book and she has something uh, called a growth mindset. And I think we all kind of intuitively understand what this is. It is um, trusting that there's utility in leaning into the struggle. So very similar to the last two that we talked about, but adopting a growth mindset goes, I look, it goes beyond like, okay, I can endure hard things. It goes to, I desire hard things. I look forward to hard things. You know, like I look forward to the next challenge in my life. I look forward to something going wrong. Like we had Nagar Fanuni on um, a couple of weeks ago and she said, my art and my work is always so um, elevated after I go through a heartbreak. And it, it really feels kind of cruel, right? That we have these bursts of inspiration, that we have these bursts of creativity out of heartbreak and we have to go through something like that. But if you can hang on to the fact that like, this is bettering you in some way and seeing, instead of seeing the lessons or the things that are happening in your life as happening to you and you're kind of just at the mercy of them and like, oh my God, you had like the worst luck and, um, these things happen because you deserve to, ha- like, it's not that things are happening uh, to you, it's that things are happening for you to make meaning out of them. And whatever meaning you decide is what it's going to mean, right? So there's not like a grand, you know, uh, mean, To I don't really believe that like there's some master plan. And I know that, you know, we have people who are listening, they're more religious than I am, but I don't believe it's like God wanted me to have this problem. I personally don't think that. I think that None of us get out of life without dealing with some sort of heartbreak, grief, loss, et cetera, whatever that looks like. And how we choose to respond to those things that inevitably are going to come up is really how we can fortify our emotional willpower, our emotional brainpower, our self-trust. And so adopting a growth mindset really comes down to do I see obstacles and challenges as ways to elevate myself or do I just see them as life trying to fuck with me? Like Nagar says, is the universe trolling you? In a way, I think it is, but I think they're there for a purpose. And the purpose that we give it is all that matters. They're not like some grand uh, plan that like, this means this, and this means this, and I should do this. Like here, I left my marriage and drove across country just because if you go through infidelity, you're going through some of your relationship, that doesn't mean you need to drive across country, right? It just, it just means whatever you decide to make it mean, whatever you decide to do from there, and then you can put a meaning on it. After the fact, right? So these things just come up. I think they come up somewhat randomly. I think that maybe we do kind of manifest those things in some capacity because and precisely because we can learn from it. And so adopting a growth mindset really is the opposite of a victim mindset. So many people believe that things come up and we're just the victim of circumstances. We just had bad luck. I can't believe I have a, I actually do have a client who like, every time I talk to her, like something legitimately like really bad happened to her. Like there really is like some legit drama. It's not shit she's making up. It's like these things are happening. And if she's able to maintain that growth mindset through it all, and it's hard, man, it is hard. But It's not because she's has bad luck or because she's the worst person or because she, you know, somehow is is um, just fated to have like a bad luck. It's just literally like they are obstacles in the path of her getting better. And if she chooses to rise to the occasion, if we all choose to rise to the occasion, we can come out on the other side with enormous levels of self-trust. Very, very important. So that's number three is adopting a growth mindset. I would definitely recommend the book Mindset by Carol Dweck. And lastly, this is number four, The Fourth Way that you can learn self-trust. And to me, this is awesome. This is learning through discernment, learning discernment through experiences. So um, I'll give you guys an example. The more experiences you have, so for example, things that go bad in your life or things that you where you have to have these uh, critical conversations or... Um, These things that you overcome, all of those things kind of go into that self trust piggy bank of like, okay, now I do have, I built up this piggy bank of things that I overcame. And now I feel fortified as a result. And I have a lot more experience than the next person as a result of going through all of this. And so now I have perspective. So when I say discernment, I'll give you an example. So when I was super obsessed with food and I started dieting and I was getting on stage for shows and I was doing extreme dieting, I was also getting my master's in nutrition at the time. I was obsessed with biochemistry. I loved it. I loved love talking hormones, love talking about chemistry. I was reading research papers. I was so in all of this nutrition stuff that I was learning so many new things about nutrition all the time. And it was so interesting to me that It felt as though everything was really important. Everything was extremely important. Oh my God, the sodium and these artificial sweeteners and am I getting, you know, wild caught salmon versus organic salmon versus, you know, whatever, freshwater salmon, whatever. It's like all these tiny minute things felt really important because they were always top of mind. I was searching this stuff out. I, I gained so much knowledge. But on the other side of that, as a result of learning all the things, I now could discern what was actually important for my outcomes, right? I could actually discern now that I knew a hundred things, I realized that only three or four of them were actually important. And so that is discernment. It doesn't mean that I don't know all the stuff. It just means I don't pay attention to it anymore because it has no relevancy to my life. And so what these struggles and hard times give you is a sense of perspective. You get to see what is actually important. Have you ever met someone who you know, really didn't have um, all that many hardships in their life, right? Maybe they didn't really go through all that many hard things. How do they respond at the slightest inconvenience? how do they respond at the slightest inconvenience? They get, I mean, irrational, right? They get annoyed. They get irrationally get upset. They get angry. They get so like, it's almost like their response is like, Whoa, what are we taught? Like what are, what just happened? Did like someone just kill your family? That's the response that you're getting because they are not equipped and they don't have experience dealing with and getting over some of the bigger things in life. So they're extremely, I would consider to be fragile. And so it's not that there's anything wrong with them. It's just that, their response to minute things that you could look at and be like, why are they even, that's not even a big deal. What are they talking about? Like, yeah, it might be a minor inconvenience, but get the fuck over it. Like, that's how I see it, especially when you've been through some bigger things. I just don't take small things personally anymore. I don't think that they're that big of a deal. I'm way more go with the flow. I have a lot more perspective than I did before. And so when you go through hard things, when you build your level of self-trust, you realize that not everything is really important and also it gives you a sense of perspective so when you can look at someone else who is struggling with something maybe someone who betrayed you or something someone who did you wrong it gives you a sense of perspective and you can almost empathize with them we've talked about this a little bit empathy becomes easier compassion becomes easier not taking things personally becomes easier and also you don't really need people to get you anymore because you get yourself. That is what's really important. You're not attached as much to how people see you because you understand yourself so well as a result of going through everything, right? You've built up this level of self-awareness and confidence through going through these hardships that you don't really need someone to, to get you. You don't really need people to see you a certain way because you see yourself clearly. I hope that makes sense. So empathy, compassion, not taking things personally all become easier because you realize everyone is operating from a level of insecurity. Everyone's just doing their best. And so when you have when you build up this level of self trust, you don't need to control. What other people are doing anymore. You don't feel a compulsion to control how they see you. You don't feel a compulsion to control their perception of you because you understand what the real thing is. And if you've been brave enough, you've shown the people in your life, all of you, you've shown them your likes, your dislikes, your, um, you know, desires, wants, needs, etc. You've had all of those on display. And maybe as a result of that, some people left your life. And you're you are okay with that because the people who have stayed as a result know you inside and out, and all of a sudden those relationships get a lot easier. I think we all have someone in our life. Maybe it's an extended family member. Maybe it's a parent. Maybe it's you know someone who we don't have to interact with all the time, but we do have to interact with them, and we put on the mask. We're like, you know what? I mean, I just I can't talk about politics with my parents because they just they get to uh, we just get in a fight every time. Okay, that's your prerogative. You don't have to do that, but like. Maybe they should know your political stance. Like maybe they should just know that and have to deal with it. I like the idea of allowing people to deal with who I am and do what they will with it. I like that because I also get to see what they're made of. I get to see how they are as a result of that. And by the way, like they don't have to agree with me. They don't have to like it. They can leave my life if they want to. But it feels a lot easier for me to not have the mask on all the time. And that's not to say, like, I don't consider people and I want to have manners. And, you know, if someone, if I know someone's completely offended by, you know, cuss words, I'll do my best to maybe not just cuss all the time. But at the same time, like, I want my parents to know that I cuss. And like me... Uh, holding that back from them because I don't trust that they can handle it is a disservice. I want everyone in my life to see me, and that is a service. My honesty about myself is a service to the people in my life. And so, Learning discernment through experiences allows for you to have a more, a a better filtering system. Uh, Your honesty about yourself, your preferences, your wants, your needs, your desires is a filtering system for the people in your life. You're less attached to how people see you because you see yourself in a specific way. Um, You don't need people to get you because you get yourself. So if you constantly find yourself trying to manage other people's perception of you, that means that you don't trust yourself. That means that you aren't on board with you. And there needs to be a little bit of work done there. And by the way, I'm a work in progress too, you guys. I've just been doing this for a long time and thinking about it and trying to teach it. So I've gone deep into it. But really, it's about kind of being able to have perspective. And when you have perspective, you're able to give other people the benefit of the doubt. You can see where they're coming from. You don't take the things they say as personally. You don't take the things they do as personally. You don't need to like it by the way, but you don't have to take it super personally. And so I think this, a lot of this comes down to experience and gaining that perspective. So I hope that helps you guys. That is four things that I have for you. Number one is going through hard times, even if you have to kind of manufacture some of these vulnerability PRs. The second is engaging in hard conversations, not for the immediate gratification, because it probably won't be all that uh, tied up in a bow, but it's to have... The, uh, have the process and watch yourself, and have your brain watch yourself as someone who is courageous and going through that. Number three is adopting a growth mindset, believing that everything is happening for you, not to you, and that you have a say in the lessons that you create as a result of those things. And number four is learning discernment through experiences. So um, you know, learning a level of discernment and perspective as a result of having all these experiences and not being in this constant uh, fragile state. It's very like I'm pre- like everyone who knows me. I'm pretty go with the flow. And everyone I am around is too, and because there, we f- we understand that not everything can be a crisis, not everything can be. So I need to learn discernment because I only have so many fucks to give. And you know, a book that you might might want to listen read if you have not read is the subtle art of not giving a fuck uh, by. Mark Manson, the Sutter R not Gimme Fuck, it talks a lot about this. It talks about like everything can't be the biggest thing in the world. Can't be the hardest thing in the world. Can't be the most disastrous thing in the world. And so your ability to become more discerning and and give a level of uh, you know self-trust to yourself allows for you to have that perspective. Anyway, I know that some of this stuff is really high level. Thank you for I did my best to explain it. Um, but um uh, of course open to any additional questions you guys have, but I did want to clarify this because we have some questions coming in from the happiness Diet of people asking. And we do get to how, by the way. In the, in the course. So if you're asking how you just need to wait and I give you all sorts of tools in the course, if you have not picked up your copy of The Happiness Diet, make sure that you go ahead and do that. It's thehappinessdiet.com. Danny, J and I have completely reverse engineered our own process, the process we use with our one-on-one clients to get them through all of these things, to get them to a level of empowerment, self-trust, confidence, security, to really understand that they can go through anything and that they can survive it. And even they can thrive as a result of which of course is what the best life is all about anyway thank you guys for being here happy to answer any follow-up questions just send us a dm the best life podcast on insta and we'll talk to you soon bye guys